The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Main Street Vegan Show. I'm so happy to be greeting you on this beautiful, beautiful day in New York City. And this is graduation day for class number 11 of Main Street Vegan Academy. We just had five and a half incredible days, and our graduation speaker has us all so excited. Her wisdom is take a picture of your vegan food every time you eat it and post it everywhere online. Make videos when you're cooking your dinner. And this is all a way to get out the wonderful word about what is going on in the vegan world. So today's show, so very exciting. After the first break, we will be bringing on Jean Bauer, fresh from The Daily Show, and today on The Main Street Vegan Show. Uh, Jean, as you probably know, is the president and co-founder of Farm Sanctuary, and the brand new book of which he is co-author is Living the Farm Sanctuary Life. So he'll be coming on in a little bit. But for the entire show, I have a lovely co-host today. Her name is Hannah Phoebe Bowen. Hannah Phoebe is a newly minted Main Street vegan lifestyle coach and educator, and she comes from London, where she is an expert on the the fresh food, the vegan, the juicing scene in London. And now she's with us today here in New York City. Welcome, Hannah Phoebe. Hi, Victoria. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. What was the very best part for you of Main Street Vegan Academy? Oh, put me on the spot. You just said five and a half days of wonderful speakers, but um, I think Leanne Maylee Hilgart really blew me away. She's a very inspirational young woman. She is indeed. Leanne of Vote Couture, gorgeous coats, gorgeous clothes, and oh my gosh, you know that I believe that miracles happen to vegans. Absolutely. And today, after we left graduation luncheon at Campbell Cafe West, we were dashing to the subway on Broadway. And who did we run into? Timothy Gunn, and Tim- another fashion high flyer. <laughs> and Timothy Gunn is certainly vegetarian, maybe vegan. We'll have to find that out. And I said, will you be on the Main Street Vegan Show? And he said, yes. So that was great. So we're always running into movers and shakers around here. And today we have a couple of fabulous vegan shaker movers cookers who are really, really uh, stirring up the food scene here in New York City. Jay Astafa, whom you know, because Jay has been on the show before. Jay comes from a culinary background. His um, family was in the restaurant business, actually in the pizza business, and he has been wonderful things uh, with vegan food in New York City for quite some time. And he has more recently teamed up with Chef Angela Lowe, 
previously a multifaceted fashion industry professional who is now working with Jay to do stunning, stunning cuisine in the vegan world. And they have some exciting things going on in New York City and other places as well. Right now, welcome, Jay and Angela. Hi, Victoria. Thank you so much for having us on your show. Wonderful, wonderful to have you. Hey, Angela. Hi there. Thank you guys for having us. It's great. Oh, to talk absolutely. To you. So, how did the two of you get together to bring your talents uh, into what you're doing now? I uh, I actually contacted. I noticed what Jay was doing online, and I reached out to him and thought that we would uh, do good things together. So, I reached out to him, and since then, we just you know formed a, a partnership and work very very well together. We both complement what the other does, and uh, it just has been so easy since meeting each other. Oh, uh, that's terrific. So, Laura, what's your background in particular? Mine? Pardon? I'm sorry, Angela, forgive me. Uh, um, my background is I came to New York pretty young, and I started a fashion company right away. And uh, first it was uh, T-shirts and then a full line, and I... Um, and I expanded to a store as well as a website, and I also produced fashion shows and did um, fashion business consulting and events. Um, so I've done a lot of things uh, from one, you know, starting the company from my house, just one person, to having a, a very large staff, and then realizing ultimately that I didn't want anything to do with fashion at all, and I, I really wanted food. So I kind of changed uh, careers, um, you know, just like midlife kind of. I think those are the two main strains of, of the vegan lifestyle, food and fashion. And you can kind of uh, pick one and partake of the other. So, Jay, what are you guys up to with the Culinary Collective and why? So right now we've been just busy having dinner. So we our debut was on April 9th and 10th last week. And then we did a special dinner on uh, the 12th, which is going to actually be on BBC on Lifetime. So what we did for that, we were uh, the dinner was for a hunter. So that's going to be on TV. And then uh, we also had a dinner last night. Oh, wow. Tell us about the dinner for The Hunter. So The Hunter was uh, the whole concept of living with the enemy. It's where a vegan has to live with the hunter, and the hunter has to live with the vegan. So the hunter came to New York to live with the vegan, and the whole table was 12 different vegans, and the hunter was there too. So it was I, a really great experience. Did he like it the food? It was very entertaining. Yeah, it was entertaining. <laughs> Yeah, she actually, she's from Arkansas, so she did like the food a little bit. But it was, like, different for her. I'll bet it was. I She kept she kept a very open mind, though, to, to uh, her credit, and um, she was very responsive. And, and it was a difficult table, I'm sure, for her to sit at because they were not only vegans but animal activists. So um, she had to have some, you know, conversations as well. <laughs> oh, gosh, I, I bet she was faced with a few challenges there. A bit, Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's nothing like great food, though, to bring people together. Because even when people see things differently, when you sit down and the food is comforting and delicious. And I don't know, Jay, if you consider your signature dish your incredible mozzarella pops, but I think everybody else considers that your signature dish. And I have often envisioned, you know, when when you turn on the TV or you open a newspaper and there just seems to be so much acrimony in the world, and I think about what if Jay showed up at the Houses of Congress with mozzarella pops on both sides of the aisle? <laughs> Thank you, Victoria. Yeah, the mozzarella pops are definitely really popular. Everyone <laughs> always loves them. Well, there's just yeah. something about cheese on a stick. So um, for each of you, I think so many people are fascinated by the world of, of cuisine and how chefs have really become celebrities in the contemporary world. So each of you, Angela first and, and then Jay, just tell us how you got into the culinary arts and then where the vegan intersected with that. So um, I come from a Midwest background, so cooking was always a big part of my family, and I always uh, loved that food brought us around the table. And when I started a fashion career, um, I was definitely, um, I was vegetarian, but I wasn't vegan. And um, I went to a farm sanctuary event, funny, because Jean is on the show next. <laughs> I went to a, a farm sanctuary event, um, or I believe, it, I believe it was that. And I just became aware of what the dairy industry was. And I 
no longer could reconcile, um, you know, supporting the dairy industry anymore for myself. Um, and, and then, you know, like you were just saying, the reason why I actually wanted to cook is because I do believe that great cooking and compassionate cooking bring people of all different backgrounds around a table and we're able to find commonality. And um, more specifically, a vegan um, cruelty-free lifestyle is also very supportive to, to me uh, on that message. So I just decided to do, to do food from there. Beautiful. Jay? And for me, I went vegan when I was 15, and, be, and then I became, uh, going vegan actually inspired me to become a chef. Ah, that's yeah. wonderful. So many people just only get into food once they start eating vegan food. Maybe it's because people get back into the kitchen. Yeah, so when you, cause when you become vegan, like, uh, you, there's not really too many options out there, so you really have to start learning how to cook. So that's really how I started. I just got a few cookbooks, and then I just started teaching myself how to cook. Oh, wow. And then I just realized that I just, it's my mission to create vegan food for everyone and show people how amazing vegan cuisine is. Well, and you're, you're very generous. I know that when um, uh, Urban Utopia Wildlife had their first fundraiser last summer, you showed up with your fabulous staff and your fabulous food, and you really got them off the ground. There will be, you know, incredible gratitude there forever and good karma going out into the Thank universe. You. Now, there are about 100 ways to reach you guys and find out what's going on. So I'm going to give just a couple of them now so I don't want to overwhelm people. But the website is culinarycollectiveny.com. So check out culinarycollectiveny.com and get that information. And you can also go over to Twitter and follow them at the CCNY, which happens to be also their Instagram handle so that you can be seeing, I'll bet, lots of incredible photographs of of this food that you do. So I think a lot of people kind of envy the fact that you're actually doing vegan cooking as as a way to make a living, but I'll bet it's not all glamour and wonder. What's the most challenging thing about what you do? I think the most challenging thing is like just planning the events like they take a lot of work to plan but like the reward is really rewarding because like to see those people's reactions like last night we had some people who weren't even vegan and then they came up to us they said we just love the food and we can eat this we can eat like this every day if we had access to this kind of food yeah cooking in the kitchen every single day and balancing all of the components to create what uh comes onto people's plate and the that appears effortless is you know time-consuming, but like Jay said, at the end, when you see people's faces and you see the, the food on the plate, it's very, very rewarding. It makes it all worth it. So to that end, getting this amazing food onto people's plates, what's your most indispensable kitchen or cooking tool? How do you work the magic? What do you use? I oh, well, my Vitamix. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it all of us? Yeah, I think the Vitamix too, but I also love using the sous vide, uh, emergent circulator, which I use that for, uh, carrots. And what sous vide is, you just, uh, you vacuum pack vegetables into a vacuum sealer and then you cook them sous vide. So it cooks, like, I do a steak spice grilled carrots and it cooks them, like, so tender. And then after they're, they're cooked, I just sear, I grill them. And how do you spell that? Uh, it's, uh, S-O-U-S. And then the second part is V, V-I-D-E. It's sous vide. Ah, and that's something that a home cook could use, or is that just for somebody like you? I know a home cook could use that. And what I I like doing tempeh in there, it really takes out like the bitter taste that tempeh has in it. Yeah, cool. So, what advice do you have for for young chefs or not so young people who who want to be chefs? How does one get into the world of vegan cuisine? So the best advice I would say is just like start learning how to cook, like grab like a bunch of cookbooks, like teach yourself how to cook in the kitchen and then definitely go to culinary school. There's uh, my I went to the Natural Gourmet Institute in 2011. So I definitely would recommend that. Yeah, I, I would say for, for me is, is also just cooking. I think, you know, you learn by doing and a lot of people, um, you know, are afraid to kind of get in there and, and start and, and it's really trial and error, and eventually you just start seeing, you know, success. And I think just stick to it and keep cooking and, and enjoy it. Have fun in the process. 
That's a great tip for new vegans to just practice, practice. Do you have any other good tips for people who are perhaps leaning? Maybe they come to your dinner and they think, oh, I quite like this vegan idea. What can? What are your first steps? I would recommend to people just incorporating vegan uh, meals to their diet, like weekly. Like it's uh, meatless Mondays is popular. Like you don't really have to. Uh, I you don't have to go vegan like fully, like hundred percent automatically, but just like incorporating vegan dinners into your diet. That's what I would recommend. So anybody who's in the New York City area, uh, go to Culinary Collective NY. The hashtag for social media is hashtag Culinary Collective NY. But you're also going to be doing some of these dinners some other places. Where will you be going? Uh, We have plans to go to Los Angeles for a two-day pop-up sometime at the beginning of June. We're just uh, finalizing details with that. And then we also uh, eventually, but we, have don't, we don't have dates for these is in San Francisco as well sometime in the summer. Wonderful. So and we're also yeah. planning to do a New York City residency in Manhattan in a Manhattan restaurant. We're planning to do like a five-day pop-up there. Oh, that's so fun. I love pop-ups. That's what my, my daughter and, and Urban Utopia, they, they want to do for the wildlife. They want to have a pop-up wildlife rescue place for baby season spring and fall. So I guess everything is popping up. (laughs) But as long as veganism is popping up, it's all very, very good. CulinaryCollectiveNY.com, Jay Astafa and Angela Lowe. Thank you so much for all you're doing, and I will see you at one of those fabulous dinners. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks so much. Oh, and we appreciate all that you do. It means it means the world. That is culinary activism at its finest. And everybody else, stay with us through these breaks, and we will be back with the inimitable Jean Bauer. Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support.
what if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Within you is a divine spark. As you feed your mind, body, and spirit with inspiration, the spark becomes a flame. Unity Online Radio provides the fuel to ignite your passion, creativity, and more during our special Ignite Your Life series. Tune into the series at unityonlineradio.org slash ignite. Connect with your source and ignite your life. That's unityonlineradio.org slash ignite. listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Welcome back, everyone. It's such a pleasure to be introducing someone that I have known for a really long time. Oh my gosh, we met back in the ancient 80s when Gene Bauer and um, his then um, partner in, what is the opposite of crime, partner in doing wonderful (laughs) things in the world, uh, were touring the country with this incredible idea to found not just an animal rights organization, but an animal rights organization that would include a sanctuary for taking care of rescued farmed animals. At the time, we thought, can they do that? Well, we know the answer is yes. Farm Sanctuary was the first of dozens now of farm sanctuaries around the U.S. and around the world. Jean Bauer is president and co-founder of Farm Sanctuary. Time Magazine called him the conscience of the food movement. He is the author of the best-selling book, Farm Sanctuary, Changing Hearts and Minds About Animals and Food, and the brand new book, Living the Farm Sanctuary Life, co-authored with Jean Stone, whom we had on the show not long ago. And this Jean, Jean Bauer, Longtime vegan, marathon runner, and Ironman triathlete. No wimpy vegans around here. Jean lives outside New York City, uh, outside, I'm sorry, Washington, D.C. I wish you lived in New York City, but I think you're on the road so much it wouldn't matter where your zip code was. You are out there working for the animals. Welcome, Jean Bauer. Oh, it's so great to be with you, and thanks for everything you do to raise awareness and, and help animals, help people, help the earth, and just encourage people to live well and, and live in a way that doesn't cause harm. Well, it is living well, and part of, of it is getting to know wonderful people like you. So anyone who is listening live and would like to join in on the conversation, the toll-free number is 888 6489 if you have a question for Jean Bauer. So tell us, Jean, what is the new book all about, Living the Farm Sanctuary Life? It's about living well, basically. And if we can live well without causing unnecessary harm, why wouldn't we? I think most people are humane. Most people don't want to cause animals to suffer, especially like they do on today's factory farms. Most people would rather live on a planet that is not being destroyed by an inefficient, wasteful animal farming system. 
And most people also, I think, would rather feel good and healthy and eat clean food that nourishes our bodies instead of eating factory farmed or any kind of meat that actually clogs our arteries and, and, and can lead to heart disease and cancer. And so this is really a book for people who want to live well. And I think most people fit into that category. And it includes some amazing vegan recipes, including some from you, Victoria. And so thanks for those contributions. And, you know, it's, it's just about living well and enjoying life and, and uh, encouraging others to do so as well. Well, it's a beautiful book, great cover. It's Jean Bauer looking so fit and handsome and a lot of beautiful sheep in the background. I can't think of a nicer <laughs> picture than that. Now, Jean, I don't know if you had a chance during the break to meet our, our co-host today, Hannah Phoebe Bowen, who is in from uh, the UK, who is here from Main Street Vegan Academy. Do you have a question for Jean, Hannah? Yes, Jean, the book is so beautiful. And like Victoria mentioned, the sheep on the front cover, it's just littered with pictures of beautiful animals. Um, so you chose to show the beauty of the animals rather than any of the brutality, really. And I wondered um, if you thought that that made the message more accessible to your readers. Yes, that was actually the idea, is you know, living well and exposing Cruelty, you know, we, we've done both over the years. We've exposed factory farming. We've done undercover investigations. We've shown what happens. And I think it's important to, for people to be aware of the reality and the cruelty of animal production. But um, it's also important for people to recognize that being a vegan and living as, uh, and eating a plant-based diet is something that can be joyful. And it's not like we're giving anything up. And so this book really has a very positive feel to it, and there's great pictures of people and animals interacting in, in beautiful ways. There's amazing scenery at Farm Sanctuary. There's incredible photos of food that are in this book as well. You know, being vegan isn't about giving things up. It's about embracing a more holistic, healthful, uh, compassionate lifestyle, and that's really the message of living the Farm Sanctuary life. So, you know, it's taking our historic work of exposing factory farming and now applying it to simple steps people can take to start living in a healthier, happier way. And I think most people want to live healthy, happy lives, and this is what this book is about. So there are five tenets in this book, five tenets of farm sanctuary living. What are they? Well, the first tenet is to live and eat in alignment with our values. You know, most people don't like cruelty, uh, but most people are unwittingly supporting animal cruelty by eating animal food. So living in alignment with our values means that we start thinking about where our food comes from and making choices we can feel good about. And we also recognize that not everybody's going to go vegan overnight as much as we would like that. So we support incremental steps in that direction. So the first tenet is to live in alignment with our values. Second tenet is to have a mindful relationship with other animals. You know, many people live with cats and dogs, and their lives are enriched by this. And, and that's a mindful connection, a mindful relationship. But when it comes to farm animals, you know, too often people eat them without thinking at all about them, and there's that disconnect. So when we have a mindful relationship with animals, we are just more thoughtful and then making choices that we're, we're, we're more aware of and that ultimately, hopefully, we can feel good about. Uh, the third, and, and by the way, uh, having a mindful relationship with animals has shown to improve human health as well by reducing stress and, and loneliness and anxiety. And so being with animals is, is good for us as well as good for the animals. Now, the third tenet is to have a mindful relationship with our food. Too often we grow up just gobbling down food and not really thinking about it and not thinking about the consequences of it on the planet or on ourselves or on other animals. And so having a mindful relationship with food is the third tenet. Fourth tenet is to eat plants for our own health. And there are experts who estimate we could save 70% on healthcare costs by eating plants instead of animal foods. So that's the fourth is to eat plants for our health. And the fifth tenet is to eat plants for the well-being of the planet. And the United Nations put out a report a few years ago talking about how animal agriculture is one of the top contributors to the most serious environmental problems, including climate change. In fact, animal agriculture contributes more than the entire transportation industry to climate change. So the fifth tenet, eat plants for the well-being of the earth. 
So it's a win-win-win. You know, this lifestyle is good for us, good for animals, and good for the planet, and it just feels a heck of a lot better. I think that's one of the most beautiful summaries of uh, the what and the why I've heard. Jean, thanks <laughs> for sharing that. Absolutely. We have a caller. Is Bren on the line? I am. Can you hear me? Yeah, we hear you beautifully. Do you have a, a question for Jean? I do. And um, Victoria, it's Bren Hamilton of Pet Blessings, and I'm actually going to be a student at your uh, June Academy. So I'd like to quickly say congratulations to all the new graduates. Um, and I have oh, a question thanks, related. Oh, you're welcome, Hannah. I'm very, I'm jealous. I have to say, although I don't really like to be jealous, but I'm so looking forward to it myself. Um, I have a question related to unexpected blessings that resulted in my life as I made my commitment to live a vegan lifestyle. And while I expected to feel a lot happier and healthier overall, I honestly didn't anticipate feeling as if there was a cloud that, to be honest, I wasn't even aware of had disappeared from over my head. And it was replaced by a lightness and a heart that feels fit to burst with love and compassion. Actually, I get emotional for all living creatures. And the strange thing is other people's dramas are no longer really on my radar and my confidence in speaking up for animals has grown immensely. So my question is, what totally unexpected blessings do you experience in your life as a result of becoming vegan? <laughs> well, you know, I went vegan when I was in my 20s. So I, I, sort of all I've known for a number of years. But what I have experienced when I eat certain ways is that, you know, it, it really does affect my body and it affects my mood. Um, in recent years, I started doing marathons and triathlons, and I found that to do those well, and you really need to pay attention to nourishing your body and to eat greens and whole foods and healthy foods, because early on, I wasn't really a health-oriented vegan, and I ate noodles and margarine and, you know, a, a fair bit of processed foods. Uh, but as time has gone, um, you know, I've come to recognize that, you know, making healthy food choices is so important. So um, I guess when you step back and think about it, it's not completely unexpected. But for me, that has been one of the more um, profound recent lessons um, and there will continue to be lessons, I'm sure. Uh, but for, for the entire time I've been vegan, I have felt, you know, as you described, this sort of lightness and this sort of joy and alignment with my actions and my beliefs and values. And um, it's a very inspiring, empowering thing. And, um, and I just love how people are drawn to it because it feels right. You know, we're, we're trying to live in a way that is good for us, animals, the earth, good for everybody. It's a win-win-win. We're not trying to put anybody down. Um, and I think more and more people are coming to this and really curious and interested, and the momentum is growing. And it's, and, and, but part of that, too, is eating well. You know, because as a vegan, you can eat Oreos and soda pop, and that's not necessarily mm -hmm. going to nourish us very well. So for me, I think the, the lesson recently sort of a surprise, but something I really became more aware of has been eating whole foods and eating well and being mindful of the fact that, you know, that has a big impact on our bodies and, and on our, our thinking as well and it's on our minds. That's beautifully did that answer your question, Thank you. It did, and it was beautifully put, and I have your book in front of me. Um, it's a wonderful book, like Hannah said, the pictures are amazing. And I'm very much looking forward to meeting Victoria and everyone else in June. Well, we're Wonder. looking Thank forward to sharing an amazing adventure with you. I feel like every class is more magnificent <laughs> than the one that went before. <laughs> so you should be in for a really good one. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to meeting Forbes as well, I hope. <laughs> Forbes will be here. <laughs> yes, he, he was quite the barker at the, at the Academy. <laughs> So, Jean, you not Thank only you. have attracted brilliant, beautiful animals that you've rescued to the three farm sanctuary locations, but you have amazing people working with you. I think Susie Costin, who's in charge of animal care at the Watkins Glen location, may be the most incredible animal whisperer possibly alive today. She seems to just 
speak animal. I know that uh, Bruce Friedrich, whom I just admire so much, I could sit at his feet and listen to him talk for a really long time, is now part of Farm Sanctuary. So tell me, give me your take on people in, in the vegan movement. How do you find the great ones and what are our strengths? Well, you know, animal abuse is a people problem, so it is critically important that we be models of compassionate living and that we encourage people to just take steps. And I'm very uh, grateful for the amazing people we have who work at Farm Sanctuary, you know, like Susie and Bruce, as you mentioned, and also for the people who are on the farm every day taking care of animals, connecting with animals doing the hard physical work. And, you know, in addition to the people at Farm Sanctuary, there's people all over this country that are doing things in their communities. And in some instances, they're in areas that are not very receptive to or, or aware of the notion of vegan living. And so everywhere I go, I see people that are doing amazing things, uh, presenting a compassionate model in the midst of a, an abusive factory farming system and it's very heartening. So thankfully, you know, Farm Sanctuary has been able to attract some amazing staff people and also amazing volunteers and interns. Every year we have about 100 interns that come and live at Farm Sanctuary and help take care of the animals and help the organization in various other ways. Every year we also have a Walk for Farm Animals event where volunteers, citizens across the country, reach out to their family, friends, and and other people they know, and encourage them to support this work. So, you know, it's, it's an amazing community of caring, and it is inspiring and um, humbling as well to be in, as part of it. And, and I just feel very lucky to do this work with so many great people. It's pretty cool. Like attracts like, as they say. It's, it's very cool. It's very cool. And, and we have to attract as well. I and mean, that's the other thing about Farm Sanctuary is we try to be approachable and accepting and encouraging and supportive of any positive step. And, and I believe that small steps actually lead to more steps that build momentum that can lead to big changes over time. Now, Jean, several times in this call you have referenced factory farming, which we know is a great evil. But I think a lot of us live in areas where we talk to people who say, well, I only eat happy meat. I only eat humane meat. I don't support factory farming. So is that okay? <laughs> Good question. Well, I use the term factory farming because it is so widely accepted as a bad thing. Uh, but, you know, it has led to, as you mentioned, oftentimes people saying that, well, I don't support factory farming either. And they say that. And then they say, I only support humane animal farms. Um, and the challenge here is that, you know, people are interested in doing better, but they are misled into believing that there is such a thing as, you know, raising animals and killing animals in a humane way. And the word humane and slaughter don't fit well together if you think about it. But when there is somebody that is saying they're against factory farming, I try to start from the common ground and say, yes, we also, we agree with you. Factory farming is not okay. Uh, and then when they say they eat humane animal products, I, I like to ask, well, what do you mean by that? And, and then that's an opportunity to say that, well, you know, these farms are actually pretty bad still. You know, free range, for example, only requires that animals have access to the outdoors, but that's not defined. So you often have animals raised by the thousands, and they have a small door that goes to a crummy little paddock or a porch, and that can technically be called and sold as free range. So these labels are misleading, and the animals are raised in a way that most people would still consider factory farming. But even if you well, had animals that were raised... I'm sorry? No, go ahead. Yeah, but even if you had animals that were raised in a better situation, which occurs occasionally but very rarely, you still have them being killed. And again, we have to ask ourselves, is humane, does humane and slaughter go together? And, and they really don't. And if we can live well without causing harm, without unnecessary killing, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? I can't answer right. that question, Jane. And you have all these 100 recipes in living the farm sanctuary life, so that that takes away all the excuses. 
And we now need to go to break, and we will be back with more Main Street Vegan Radio and our wonderful guest, Jean Bauer, author of Living the Farm Sanctuary Life. We'll be right back. Now and then, life is challenging. I may not welcome challenge itself, but I welcome the opportunity to learn from whatever arises, to grow in understanding, to flex my spiritual muscles. Every day is a new day, a fresh start. No situation or circumstance can hold me back. My life is not only about what's happening to me, it's also what's happening through me. The Christ within is my source of unlimited wisdom and creativity. I do my best when I respond to any challenge from my Christ nature, rather than reacting impulsively from my human nature. Every day I pursue what enriches me, enjoying the journey to my goals as much as the destination. This inspirational message is brought to you by Daily Word. Daily Word. Inspiration and practical teachings to help people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. Give Daily Word to yourself or a friend and give the gift of hope, joy, peace, and encouragement. Order your subscriptions today online at dailyword.com. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Welcome back, everyone. I am Victoria Moran, and you're listening to Main Street Vegan. My guest host today is Hannah Phoebe Bowen, all the way from London. And our guest is Gene Bauer. He is the president and co-founder of Farm Sanctuary and the co-author of a brand-new, gorgeous book, Living the Farm Sanctuary Life. This is a book that I want three copies of. I want one for my kitchen for the recipes. I want one for my bedside table to just read and reread. And then I want one for the coffee table because it is so beautiful and everybody will love it. All your relatives who think you eat funny will love these pictures of animals. So do get yourself a copy of Living the Farm Sanctuary Life. Now, Jean, you did something that I think is just incredibly brave. Long after you became vegan and after you founded Farm Sanctuary, you went to Cornell University and got yourself a degree in agricultural economics. What was that like? (laughs) Well, I went to Cornell to get an understanding of the agribusiness mentality and to become familiar with the mindset that allows this industry to grow and to exist even. And it was very enlightening, uh, you know, to see people basically indoctrinated to accepting certain things, to accepting cruel and bad things, and to see those becoming normalized. And there was a class I recall, it was an animal science class, and we were being shown routine farming procedures. And these included cutting off pigtails. You know, these are like little baby piglets, and the teacher took one out of the crate and just cut off the tail with scissors-like type of device, and then he also did ear notching, cutting out chunks of skin out of the ears. And the students in the class, when they first saw this, were appalled. Uh, The pigs were bleeding and screaming, and it was clearly a painful, stressful event. And the students didn't like it and recoiled. But the teacher said, we do this for their own well-being, which is not true, but this is what he was saying to validate it. And then asked the students who would want to try their hand at some of these mutilations. And at first there was resistance, but a a young man stepped forward and cut off a piglet's tail. Uh, And then a second student stepped forward and did the same thing. And each time a student did this, you could see the initial resistance draining away. And this was becoming normalized now. And it really speaks to how human beings are really social creatures and how we are influenced by those around us. And so that was one of the lessons is just how we are affected by those around us. And we, are, we rationalize things when we don't feel very good about them, which is exactly what was happening in that class. These students were told this is for the good of the pigs, and therefore we have to do it, even though it didn't feel right. 
So it's important when we see something or, and feel something and it doesn't feel right for us to pay attention to that and ultimately to do things that do feel right and do make sense. Oh, that sounds awful. I can't imagine what it must have been like for you to sit through that. Um, it was, and I was, I was there really just to observe and to document and to witness. And so, yeah, um, so I didn't. Yeah, you were unable to raise any criticism. Right, exactly. I mean, I was, you know, making eye contact with other students, trying to support their humane sentiment about how this isn't okay. But I was not uh, protesting and speaking out you know, openly at that point. And I suppose the students also have to stop seeing the pigs as the um, individuals that they are. Uh, um, so one of the things in the book that's so beautiful is that you keep reminding us about the individuals that these animals are. And I was wondering if you would share with us one of the stories of one of your residents or former residents. Yeah, well, our first rescued animal was, was Hilda, who was a sheep. And in fact, when we started Farm Sanctuary, there was not this large goal of having big sanctuaries. Our goal was just to expose this industry to draw attention to how bad it was and encourage people to change the way they ate. But we started going in and finding living animals who were just discarded, and Hilda was the first. She was a sheep who was thrown on a pile of dead animals behind a stockyard. So as we approached the stockyard dead pile, we saw dead cows and dead pigs and dead sheep, and the maggots were so thick you could hear them buzzing. And off of this pile, this one sheep lifts her head. She was still alive. So we took her off the dead pile, assuming that she would have to be euthanized. But when we brought her to the veterinarian and he started examining her and poking around, she started perking up. And then she stood up within about a half hour and that's Hilda, our first rescued animal. She lived with us for more than 10 years and had a great life and really speaks to how these animals are mistreated on factory farms and how when they're allowed to enjoy life, they can flourish, as, as Hilda did. Now, Hilda was pretty shy, uh, and she had a best friend named Jellybean who came in shortly after Hilda, and they were together all the time. So, you know, these animals develop relationships, and Hilda and Jellybean is an example of that kind of a relationship. And, um, and so she had a good life, and, it was, and then that showed us the power of transformation, the power of telling these animal stories, and the beauty of watching them heal and thrive. And, and we continue doing that today. You mentioned taking her to the vet, and I know that you take all of your animals when, when they need it to Cornell or, or elsewhere for veterinary care. What kind of response you get from these doctors who have been trained to take care of animals in the food industry? Well, you know, the veterinary profession has traditionally been very much about supporting the industry. And so when you have veterinarians that know about cows, they work with dairies and beef ranches, and they are focused on getting those animals to the slaughterhouse, not so much about looking at those animals as individuals. So the veterinary profession, you know, needs to be reformed. And happily, there are now students in vet schools who have a much stronger sensitivity and support for animal protection efforts. Um, and there is some reform happening. Um, but, but it's taken some time. And, you know, some of these veterinarians, in some cases, were actually pretty hostile to us um, and didn't see why we were spending so much time and energy on individual animals because they saw these animals as economic units. And if the animal was only worth, well, worth nothing, if they were a sick animal, um, it would cost more to care for them than the animal was worth economically. So part of the education that we've been trying to engage veterinarians with is to see these animals not as commodities, not as economic units, but as individuals who deserve to be treated with respect and compassion. And we're having some, some, some good... You know, we're making progress. You know, Susie's talking to folks at Cornell University, for example, and there's a growing sensitivity there. So it takes time, but we are seeing some positive movement. 
it seems that it takes time and it takes courage, just as it took courage for you to go through the, the program at, at Cornell. And in agriculture, I think young people who are looking at veterinary medicine, you know, there are practices that go on in most of the schools that a lot of us would wish did not go on. Even uh, people who are interested in becoming dietitians. I mean, I had a couple of people this week at the academy say, oh gosh, I don't know if I want to go through all that. I don't know if I want to hear everything that's good about meat and dairy. But at the end of the process, then people really have a strong, powerful credential to go out and help animals. That is very, very true, and, and I'm very glad I went through the program at Cornell, and when I tell legislators and others that I have a master's degree in agricultural economics from Cornell University, it makes it pretty hard for them to dismiss what I'm saying, so I've found that to be very valuable. Yeah, it kind of dismisses the old, well, depending on your age, you're either a leftover hippie or a leftover punk rocker. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And, you know, so, Cornell's a big ag school, too, so having yeah. a degree from Cornell adds some additional credibility, which I'm very grateful for. Now, Jean, you have, not in your youth, but a little bit past youth, although you certainly still look young, become an athlete. I mean, a serious athlete, Ironman triathlon. How did this start, and how does it connect with the rest of your life? Well, you know, there's this idea that too many people have that being a vegan means that you're not going to get the right nutrients or that you need to, you know, eat meat for strength and cow's milk for, for calcium and so on. Those are complete myths. And I wanted to demonstrate that as a vegan of many years, I was getting everything I needed nutritionally, not only to survive and live well, but to thrive and to perform some of these athletic feats. So... I've done four marathons now, and, and I do those in a reasonably good time. Every, every single time I've done it, I've qualified for Boston. Um, and, in fact, I ran Boston last year. And I also did an Ironman triathlon to show that, as a vegan, you can do this. And an Ironman, for those unfamiliar with it, means that you swim 2.4 miles, you bike 112 miles, and then you run a 26.2-mile marathon. So I did that in Lake Placid a couple years ago, and I – did fairly well on it, and I did it all on plant power. Yay, plant power. Yay, well, plant power. We'll have to power. translate right. those miles in, into metrics for Hannah Phoebe. Yeah, do you, any idea how many kilometers that was, Jean? <laughs> I actually don't, unfortunately. A long but, but way. Lots and lots of It's a long way, yeah. Kilometers. It's a long way. Definitely. I, bet, I expect a fair few lentils went into the preparation for that. Yes, lentils and a lot of green smoothies and a lot of food because when you're training, there were some days I would do like a six or seven hour bike ride and that takes a lot of energy. So you need to eat a lot of food, which was part of what I learned and what I alluded to earlier about nourishing the body and and feeding it uh, in a way that fits with its activity. So if you're doing these, you know, this training and doing hours and hours a day, you need to provide the calories and the nutrition, whereas if we're sitting in an office, we don't need to eat nearly as much. Well, then let's all run marathons because vegan food is so good. We want to be able to eat plenty of it. The book is Living the Farm Sanctuary Life by Jean Bauer and Jean Stone. Uh, you can find out more about Farm Sanctuary at their website, farmsanctuary.org. They're on Twitter, at Farm Sanctuary, and on Instagram and Facebook, Farm Sanctuary. Isn't it good when one's social media can all match? And Jean is up to so many wonderful things. He's been such a great supporter of my husband and me um, with the film that we started writing, gosh, way back in 2007. That's looking like that's going to be happening, Miss Liberty, about a cow that escapes from a slaughterhouse. Did you know, Jean, that that was actually inspired when we went to a farm sanctuary benefit? William, my husband, had become vegetarian two weeks after we met, and I thought, well, that's good. That seemed like a kind of halfway point, and the fact that he still drank milk was just something that 
went on. But after we had been married about three years, we went to one of your beautiful gala benefits, and you showed some footage about cows and calves. And once he saw that, he leaned over and said, do you think we can start getting more of that almond milk like you drink? And I just very casually said, yes, yeah, sure, when inside I was going, <laughs> yes! <laughs> and it was shortly thereafter that he was inspired to the idea for Miss Liberty and went up and visited you in Watkins Glen and um, started on something that looks like it just may be a movie one day. That's so beautiful. anybody out there with a fabulous idea to help the animals follow through because uh, chances are you'll be able to do it. So, Jean, any last word on living the farm sanctuary life? Well, just encourage people to take small steps. Small steps lead to bigger steps that lead to a huge revolution in our food system. And, and we are seeing that happening, and it's a very exciting time. It's never been a better time to be a vegan. Never better. It's so wonderful to be in the same world as Jean Bauer. I think I speak for all vegans in saying that, and probably for all farmed animals as well. Thank you so much for taking this time with us. Thanks for this beautiful book and for all you do in the world. Thank you so much for everything you do as well, and I look forward to seeing you in the near future. You will indeed. Thank you, Hannah Phoebe for your help on the show today. You're a natural at this. You should uh, follow through, get yourself a podcast over there in the UK. Thank you, Jeff Comfort and Unity Online Radio for making Main Street Vegan possible. And everybody listening, God bless you bunches and eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. Reverend Paulette's mantra is, it's all a prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Unity Minister Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time. With an energy that will captivate you, touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette, Senior Minister of Touching the Stillness Ministries, affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. Whether you have a prayer request for yourself or for a loved one or are ready for a deepened meditation experience, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central Time, where we'll be joining in consciousness with the unceasing prayer activity of the Silent Unity 24-7 Prayer Ministry at Unity Village. That's Touching the Stillness with Reverend Paulette Pipe every Tuesday right here on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Letting go in the stillness. Repeat the words, God is taking care of it. And it will become clear that you are the channel and that God is the doer of good works through you. This meditative moment, adapted from Mary Cupferly's God Will See You Through, is brought to you by Unity. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. 
They're the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a 100 years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio, words from our past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I'm an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. <laughs> 